0: Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello, and welcome to the Robots Podcast. I am Jana, and in today's episode, we will learn about a new kind of photography drone. Drones have been all the rage in recent months, with personal photography and video drones such as AirDog or the Phantom 2 gaining in popularity. A company called Sci-Fi Works is now looking to join in with its new Level 1 photography drone. The design of this drone allows it to fly without tilting. And this allows images to be taken without a gimbal system, which greatly reduces the drone's cost and maintenance while supposedly improving flight control. Our interviewer Audro met up with SciFiWorks CEO Helen Greinerath at this year's International Conference on Robotics and Automation ICRA in Seattle to find out more about the new drone and the company's Kickstarter campaign to get it off the ground.
1: Hi, can you introduce yourself?
2: My name
0: is Helen Grainer, and I'm the CEO and
2: founder of Sci-Fi Works, the drone company.
1: Can you briefly tell me about your career?
2: Well, I saw a competition on the Discovery Channel of students building robots out of a kit of parts at MIT, and I decided I want to go there because those students look like they're um, having a heck of a lot of fun building robots. (laughs) And uh, so I went to MIT. I interned at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, And then I did my master's uh, also at MIT in electrical engineering and computer science. And I was accepted to the Ph.D. program and um, dropped out of it and started iRobot Corporation.
1: Now you're at Sci-Fi Works. Can you tell me a bit about the industrial drones that you make at Sci-Fi Works?
2: We started at Sci-Fi Works with a very unique technology, a microfilament tether. And the microfilament tether supplies power and communications and video from the drones. And um, with that, um, the drones have long infinite times of flight because power is being supplied from the ground and um, we've solved some of the communications challenges like being hacked or spoofed and so we've built a drone that just goes up and stays up at uh, 500 feet uh, 24
1: 7. So you are releasing a drone you're calling level one what are some primary applications that you expect the level one drone to be used for?
2: Well, we've designed the level one as a consumer drone, so you can take it out and uh, very practically look in your gutters for leaves. You can look if a storm came through and blew a shingle off your... Uh, house. You can look at what's going on in your neighborhood Mm -hmm. and then it's also for fun. You can take it to that beach barbecue and get stunning um, photographs from a unique perspective. You can take videos of your kids out kayaking. Um, You can take videos of your child's soccer game. There's just so many wonderful applications uh, for drone photography and I think it's really taking the place of video cameras. Um, Cell phones have taken a lot of the functionality but But there's still a need to get um, great shots. Um, Drones go beyond video cameras, and you can get um, shots from up high, so you have unique perspectives. But you can also do um, rolling shots, like if your child's on a bicycle, you can follow along with them. Or if you're on a kayak, the drone can follow along with them. So it's it's better than a video camera in many respects because it can follow the action.
1: And it's a consumer drone. Uh, Can you tell me about why you've made that transition? from industrial and military to consumer?
2: we haven't really transitioned to consumer. Um, We have a lot of very inventive engineers and drone scientists at the company, and one of them, Ken Sebasta, came up with what we call level-up technology. Most multirotors tilt into the direction of motion, and that means every sensor on them, including the camera, has to tilt with them. companies spend a lot of time building these fancy gimbal systems to compensate for that tilt. What we've done is we've built a multi-rotor. It's a hex rotor that just flies levelly. And the way we've done that is by putting what we call a dihedral, um, which is the angle between the body of the drone and the uh, rotors, Um, We put an angle on that, and we also give the strut a twist. So a dihedral and a twist is how we get the uh, level behavior. And, of course, it has to have a lot of um, fancy math and control code running on it.
1: How did you decide initially to make this drone?
2: Well, a drone scientist was working to make our larger pork system, uh, which is a drone, um, fly better in wind. And he was experimenting with twists on the struts And he was looking at the math behind it and noticed that if you put a dihedral as well as a twist, you can get uh, level flight or tilted flight if you want. And um, so we quickly prototyped it and um, our uh, dronies... Started to fly it, and they all loved it, and because it was such a uh, a better flight experience. And we said we got to do something with this because this would be the right thing for a consumer drone. And I really do believe this design is going to um, be the right design for uh, consumers because it makes flying so much simpler. It's very intuitive because it's level flight. We pull the camera into the body, which means you're basically just controlling the camera rather than controlling a drone and then controlling a camera, which is kind of like patting your head and rubbing your stomach. And uh, there's a lot of tech folks who like that, but it's so much simpler if you just fly the camera. With the level-up technology... Um, We actually have a a very rapid yaw, which you don't have on a regular quad rotor. So it
1: can rotate very quickly. Very
2: quickly. And so now we can actually use that uh, as the yaw motion for the camera. So it's all come together as a very, very solid, compact design, very rugged. Um, The camera gimbals that are made, we've talked to hobby shops about it, and they said that uh, it's never the drone that breaks. It's always the camera gimbal, and that's because it's exposed, and any hard landing it takes the brunt of. But it's also just because it's got wires um, flexing many, many times, and so they spend um, a lot of time fixing people's and charging people to fix their uh, gimbal system. So I think this, um, the Level 1 drone will be a much more reliable drone.
1: Mm-hmm. And so this drone is significantly... Cheaper than the most of, or most comparable drones, and that has been accomplished largely by removing the gimbal system for holding the camera. Uh, Is that correct?
2: Yes, lo- largely by removing the gimbal system, but we're also making use of uh, the smartphone as a controller. And the smartphone makes a great controller because you've got a wonderful display screen touch screen you have a wi-fi link already uh, on board and it's got a gps in it so all the elements you'd need for a drone controller um basically m- many people have today already
1: hmm? why six propellers
2: well, the level up behavior does require six, and that's because of the math that's running in, in, inside it. Um, but six also gives you a lot of great other features. For example, with the level up behavior, if one or some you know some combination of two rotors um, break, um, the drone can still fly, which is very exciting.
1: So, if two of these propellers break, it can still continue to fly, or is it just one?
2: Um, definitely one, and some combinations of two. Ah, <laughs> if these two go out, if two you're on dead. the same <laughs> side go out,
1: yes. How is it controlled?
2: The primary mode of control will be the touchscreen interface. Uh, it's very easy to um, set an altitude. And be able to drag the drone, so you're manipu- you're controlling the drone just like you would look at a picture in a map, so people have already learned the workflow of that so you have a picture coming back from the drone, a video coming back from the drone, and it's you're just um, controlling it first person view within that um, screen and i you know I, when you fly this you know when you Um, control the URL, You're just dragging across the screen and it really feels like you're tightly coupled to the robot. It's very, very cool to to, to feel it.
1: And then so what about the follow me behavior? How does that work?
2: We're building on top of an open source project called called Tau Labs and um, Tau Labs already incorporates a follow me behavior in the uh, control code. So we will have that when we release this, but user feedback so far on all the drones that have follow me behavior is it's not that useful yet and it probably won't be that useful until you can have a um, a sense and avoid to make sure that it's safe because right now it's really only useful if you're in the desert or on the ocean or where there's a pretty wide open space you would never want to use follow me behavior today in your city park Mm -hmm.
1: so speaking of uh, <coughs> avoiding behavior. Mm-hmm. Does this have the ability to do any of that? It I
2: doesn't have. A, it doesn't have sensor I avoid see. yet.
1: Do you, are there ultrasonic sensors or anything for it to determine what's around it? No. Okay. You have a new thing called geofencing. Can you mm-hmm. tell me a bit about that?
2: One thing that we, you know, we've spoken to uh, users about is um, people who haven't flown a drone before. Are a little intimidated for the first flight and. Um, You know, they read on the Internet about the first flight someone, you know, runs it into a tree or it goes off into the neighbor's yard. And so we've created a very simple interface um, which... You walk a boundary and the robot will stay in that boundary and not um, go out of it so it can't get in any uh, trouble as you're get- taking those first flights. Uh, but it can be also use- useful for the sophisticated user that wants to practice aerodynamic flight and you know, so the drone doesn't um, get-, get away from you. Um, it's based on, again, from uh, the Tau Lab's code, um, there's all kinds of features to make any um, any uh, polytope that you would like and keep Polytop. the robot in that, oh, uh, a- any shape. kind of a shape that you would like, keep the robot in that. But that's not what our users want. They We've developed an intuitive interface. You walk the boundary, and it stays in that boundary. So you don't have to do any correspondence between a map on your cell phone uh, and what's happening in the physical world. Mm-hmm. You... Uh, no constructing pun- the boundary in the physical world. Mm-hmm.
1: I see, no punching in GPS coordinates. No punching
2: in GPS coordinates.
1: Now, but this does rely on GPS, correct, it to does. create the G- geofence? Yes. Is that challenging with uh, GPS being fairly inaccurate unless you buy an expensive GPS?
0: Um,
2: you wouldn't want to make your geofence in an extremely confined area with only as good as the GPS accuracy, but the GPS accuracy... Um, locally, mm-hmm. um, you oh, know, at it's a certain amount relative. of time, is is usually pretty good. A- it can vary over days and when satellites move from place to place. Mm-hmm. But the local time of GPS is usually reasonably um, accurate.
1: You can use an RC transmitter you to can. control this?
2: You can. We've, um, we've put payload ports on the bottom of the robot that you can take off the... Uh, the stumpy little feet and um, there's connectors and power and that um, uh, that S- will allow you to connect A or receiver. C um, uh, a,
1: radio uh, a, a radio receiver A radio
2: receiver Now when you want to do acrobatics you do need to turn off level up mode because it's going to keep you flying level and that's not going to allow for some fun loops and, and, and flips but one of the great things about the level up technology is that um, you can have it on to get that great video, and then you can turn it off if you want to have large accelerations. Mm-hmm.
1: Can you talk a bit about using open source technology in a consumer product?
2: Well, I think that, um, you know, when you have a uh, a, a consumer drone, um, there's a lot of, you know, um, I'm sorry. There's there's a lot of uh, work that's already been done by uh, several communities in making autopilots that work well. Um, The co founder of Tau Labs is also the inventor of the level up technology, so it was a no brainer for us to use the Tau Labs uh, open source code. Mm -hmm.
1: Makes sense. Now, will you be doing software updates? To the level one drone?
2: Yes, that is our... Yeah, we plan to um, make additional features a- along the way.
1: And by the way, congratulations on the successful Kickstarter campaign. Right now you're double what you've wanted at 200... You wanted 250,000 and you're nearly at half a million. Yeah, it's been,
2: it's been wonderful. We've, um, we've established a great community that we think of as our... Um, you know, community of support, and um, there's a lot of the basic design is, is done, but there's a myriad of design decisions along the way, and we're getting a lot of feedback on what's important to our customers and what's not. So it's, it's, um, you know, it, it was a great thing to do a crowdfunding uh, campaign, and we have 19 days to go.
1: You're pushing into some stretch goals. What are you thinking to implement now that you've received a good bit more than you originally asked?
2: Well, right this moment, we're about 6K from our first stretch goal, which is a camera control pack. And the camera control pack um, will allow things like time-lapse photography, burst mode photography. How will time-lapse
1: work? Um, I mean, from a drone with limited battery life, I'm curious how time-lapse would work.
2: Um, It just gives you um, more high-resolution images at certain um, time intervals, like if the sun's setting you get um, really uh, high-resolution and, you know, we like to say a uh, beautiful scent that happens, um, you know, uh, one minute at a time.
1: Yes. And then so oh, and,
2: and then also on the camera control pack, there's um, RUAR photography mode and uh, features to let you control exposure and aperture and other things that uh, really appeal to a lot of the users are very um, enthusiastic um, photography buffs. Mm. And they've never had a drone where you can get access to the data coming from the camera before.
1: What have been some of the major obstacles uh, with the Level 1 drone?
2: I I think the major obstacle, because we are a small company, has been resource allocation. Um, We didn't uh, stop what we were doing. We haven't pivoted, as they say. We uh, are continuing to go strong in the industrial realm, but we also – Um, wanted to get this consumer product so we made the decision to prototype it quickly we had a very enthusiastic team put in their sweat equity and um, uh, really push it through from kind of a grassroots and we got it up on Kickstarter and it's just going so well we've had such an enthusiastic response from the community
1: and wrapping up what advice do you have for those who want to do a startup
2: um I would say if you want to do a startup, um, just go for it. Um. You, you do probably want to have a solid idea. You can develop that idea when you're in school or when you're working at another job. But once you have that idea, it's something that you're passionate about, I'd say go for it. Because worst-case scenario is that it doesn't work out. And in this country, it's a badge of honor. if you uh, in, in the United States, it's a badge of honor if you've tried it, even if it doesn't work out. And you could go on to the next thing, uh, which might be another startup or it might be you know going back to school. Uh, it could be anything. But um, – Um, You know you will have tried it. And if it works out, you will be living your dream. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And that's all for today. As always, there is lots more to discover on our website at robotspodcast.com. And if you'd like to learn more about drones and why they've been in the news so much lately, check out Robohub.org for the latest developments in robotics. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Drones with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.